It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mm-hmm. Hello, everybody. Good morning to all. Ohio gozaimasu. Yes, okay. Hope everyone's having a great day so far. Okay, so typically, whenever I do these chapter reviews, I sort of have to pretend that I haven't already read the chapter. For the sake of entertainment, I'm like going through the chapter like, wow, I don't know what's going to happen next. Whoa, Saturn's a spider? Didn't see that coming. You know, uh, I break it every now and then for the sake of just like, all right, I already knew what was going to happen, so here's my analysis of it. But in this one particular instance, I gotta immediately give you my reaction to the end of this chapter. It, it, it really is that significant for the One Piece world, okay? And it's a pretty simple reaction. It pretty much just boils down to, Whoa, boy, howdy with a side of butter. Holy crap. Oh, well, I guess we know what the big event that's going to shake the world is going to be now. We were thinking too small with this, honestly. I mean, I saw a lot of theories on what that could be. I had a lot of theories on what that could be, but... Woo! Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah! You know what I'm saying? It's yeah! Okay, all right. So anyway, I don't know what's gonna happen in the chapter, guys, but let's get into it. One Piece chapter 1108 titled, Attention World! Exclamation point to end all exclamation points! The ultimate exclamation point! Alright, well, One Piece is on the cover of Shonen Jump this week. It's pretty cool. Luffy's gear 50. He's about to punch the audience or give you a fist bump. The ultimate fist bump, as it were. Uh, the cover spread is really cool. So, it's Robin, Nami, Uta from the movie Film Red, uh, Tashigi, Reiju, and Boa alongside some Yorkies, some Yorkshire Terriers. They're very adorable doggos. Um, but anyway, they're hanging out on a couch and just having some rosé wine, I guess. I I believe this is in collaboration with the One Piece heroine story. Uh, in the One Piece magazine, which has like an irregular release schedule, it's not really anything specific. I don't know when the next one's coming out. Um, but they do short stories and kind of like light novels that are, well, they're like chapters of light novels that are then added to like a actual novel later. Like the Law Light novel started in the One Piece magazine and then it became its own thing later on. So then there's One Piece heroines, which I believe is going to be released in its like actual light novel format soon, uh, which focuses on the women of the One Piece world. So it's a really great cover spread. The one thing I gotta bring up, though, uh, is I think Reiju has maybe had a little bit too much wine, because Reiju is, like, 
you know, grabbing Tashigi and kind of coming on to her a little bit there. I mean, it's like, I mean, there's really no other way to interpret that. Reiju is like, Tashigi sitting down on the couch. Reiju's behind the couch, kind of like grabbing her face and like sticking her tongue out. And it's kind of a little erotic. I'm just saying, I don't know if that's implying anything for Reiju's character or Tashigi's character, but... It's there. Uta and Nami are having a great time, though. They're on the other side of the couch like, yeah! So, fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. So, uh, we continue right where we left off last chapter, and I'm really happy we're doing that, because last chapter we had Van Auger and Katarina Devon leaving Egghead after they had, you know, copied Saturn's appearance with uh, Katarina's Kitsune Mythical Zone. So, they're getting ready to leave, and they're walking away, and uh, Caribou runs up to them, noticing, like, this is his one chance to not only get off the island because everything's blowing up and he's probably going to die. Well, he's a Logia, so it's a thing where it's like, if you're a Logia, would you even be afraid of a buster call? I mean, yeah, it's not fun, but he's not going to die. He could just turn into mud, you know? But anyway, he's running up because he's also a big fan of Blackbeard, just like Bartolomeo is a huge fan of Luffy and the Straw Hats. Caribou is apparently a huge fanboy of the Blackbeard Pirates, so he's running up to them. He's just like, hold on, guys! Hold on, Mr. Van Auger and Lady Katarina Devon, you know, serial killer of women. Anyway, um, yeah, I am, uh, I, I want to go with you guys. I love Teach, and he's a great dude, and I've always wanted to meet him and get his autograph. Oh, please, please take me with you. And, uh, Auger, I mean, he's an overworked guy, but Auger is pretty smart, so he immediately takes out his rifle and he has the reaction I kind of thought he was going to have, which is like, who the hell are you? Get away from us. <laughs> you know, he points the rifle right at Caribou, and he recognizes him. He knows who he is. Augur's a smart dude. He's paid attention to the up-and-coming, you know, rookies in the world. And remember, Caribou was a rookie. He was a super rookie at Sabaody um, when we first met him, okay? So, like, Luffy and Bonnie and everybody and Blackbeard himself are members of the worst generation two years ago. But every year, a batch of rookies arrive at Sabaody. It's just that they're, Luffy's just generation was the worst. But the generation before Luffy was Cavendish. He he showed up and he was a big super rookie. And then the uh, two years went by and then Caribou along with some other ones uh, were also the super rookies. Okay, There's a lot that showed up in the worst generation. There were 11 supernovas at Sabote. That's an unusually high number. That doesn't typically happen every year. Maybe like a couple, maybe two, three, four rookies will show up at Sabote. But So he does have some notoriety for himself. So Augur would know about him. I think Caribou's bounty is well over 200 million. So at least it's something to, you know, he'll recognize him, right? So he's like, look, this is wet-haired Caribou. And yeah, he might be a pirate, but this is also a government island we're on. So he's being very cautious. This guy could be a deep cover agent. They could have captured him and convinced him to work for the government. This guy could be undercover cipher pole or something, right? And he mentions, you know, there's no shortage of people in the world that want to assassinate our captain, Blackbeard. You know, Marshall D. Teach, he has a very high bounty. In fact, uh, Blackbeard's bounty is almost close to rivaling Shanks. So it's a pretty high bounty. And so Caribou's like, no, you don't get, no, you don't understand. I'm not working for the government. I'm not working for the Straw Hats. And, 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 and by the way, if you kill me now and, and you don't bring me to Blackbeard, he's going to have all of your heads. He's going to be pissed at you. So, okay, Caribou is, he knows how to finagle. 
He's good at persuasion, all right? I'm gonna roll that persuasion check and see where it ends up, okay? So Augur is there with the rifle, like with his sights set right on Caribou, and this is Augur we're talking about here. You know he can punch a sea prism bullet or a hockey bullet through Caribou's eyes. Uh, like between his eyes at like three miles and so he's like point-blank right here so he's not gonna miss all right but anyway he's like hmm and why is that I'm listening and caribou's like okay now here's the thing though caribou doesn't actually tell them about the ancient weapons right here he's just he just says I have valuable information and he's gonna want to know it and it's kind of hard to come by and Internally, we now have a, a dialogue from him inside of himself, like an internal monologue, where he's like, Ah, yes, I have information on the ancient weapons. Yes, first we have Shirahoshi, the mermaid princess, living at Fishman Island, who is also, in fact, the ancient weapon Poseidon. And then there's Pluton, the great battleship, sleeping underground in Wano. <laughs> I'm the only person that knows of both, other than those straw hats, of course. <laughs> so, He's actually very smart to not just tell Augur this right away, just to blurt it out. Because if that's the case, he's just played his hand. And it's like, ah, I know stuff about Poseidon, and I know stuff about Pluton. Here it is. And then Augur would just be like, hmm, that is very important information. Teach would want to know this. And then Katarina would probably be like, hmm, <laughs> good, of, good of you to tell us. It's a good thing we ran into you here. And then Caribou would be like, ah, oh, gee, shucks, thanks. So can I join the... <laughs> and then Augur would have probably just shot him because it's like, all right, well, we have the information we needed. So anything else you want to tell us? Oh, no, that's pretty much all of it. Boom, dead, you know? So, you know, he knows how to manipulate. He knows the kind of how to play the game here. If nothing else, he knows how he would have responded in this in, in this situation. He would have probably let the person give him information and then suffocate him with the mud power. So he's probably like, all right, I'm not going to play my hand right away. I will tell Teach this information, but you got to bring me to him first. And so he says, bring me to the Commodore and I'll give that information up free of charge and I'm sure he'll be pleased. Just take me with you. I know I can be of use. And Augur and Katarina, they don't really respond. We don't see their response in this chapter. Um, you know, Augur still has his sights set on him. Katarina just kind of like, you know, so they're obviously going to agree to it because this is what Caribou's whole character arc has kind of been leading to, gathering all this information in the background while Robin was talking to uh, Neptune at Fishman Island and talking to Sukiyaki at Wano with Law and everybody like that. So um, this is obviously, he's not just going to shoot him and, you know, call it a day. They're, they're going to go back to uh, Hachinosu and meet Blackbeard and this is going to be a big thing. So this is where Caribou's character was leading to, guys. You had the opportunity to kill him. You know what I was thinking the other day? You didn't even need to kill him. Not really. You could have just left him at Wano. No, seriously. You could have. Because here's the thing. What do you think happened with all of the members of Kaido's crew that did not die during the battle at Onigashima? They got thrown in the Udon prison. We saw a queen there. We saw a king there. Yeah, Aramaki showed up and kind of turned it into a botanical garden. So it looks very nice now. Uh, but they're still all there, right? And the whole point is that Momonosuke is not going to be as cruel of a shogun as Orochi was. So Momonosuke is not going to have the policy of like, round up all of Kaido's men and kill them. You know, that, that that's not going to be Momonosuke as the Shogun, right? So I'm just saying, you could have kept Caribou 
in the prison, chained up with sea prism stone, which they have copious amounts of. It's Wano, for God's sake. It's where it's mined from. So it's like, just keep him there. Honestly, he's probably going to be treated better than the time when Kaido uh, was keeping him in the prison. Uh, you know, now he might try to, like, manipulate the guards or something. But I, I feel like the samurai, the, you know, the, um, you know, the, the red scabbards. Yeah, that was their name. Oh, my God. Did I forget the nine red scabbards? I'm like, wait, who, uh, what, were, what was that team of samurai <laughs> back from Wano? You know, uh, Kawamatsu was part of them. Uh, Rizo, I blanked on the scabbards name for a moment. I don't know what that says about their staying power in one piece <laughs> they are so important to the story for so long and i blanked on their name anyway uh they would have, the scabbards would have they would have treated the the criminals like okay like they wouldn't have like cruel and unusual punishment but they would have also made sure they didn't escape you could have just left caribou there now maybe you could argue well Caribou gave Luffy food during the fight with Kaido, so they owed him a favor. Screw that. They don't owe this guy a favor. Did you see that kind of disgusting shit he was trying to, like, like kidnap all of the mermaids at Fishman Island? Jinbei was at Wano. Jinbei would have been, like, Jinbei really should have looked at everybody and be like, this guy is, an, he's a criminal. He's a bad person. He's a not a good guy. All right, we should probably just leave him here in the prison in Udon and Wano. That would probably be, the, that's where he needs to be, honestly, all right? You know, because like after the Straw Hats left, he was going on this mermaid kidnapping spree. Jinbei beat the shit out of him, brought him over to G5, and that's where his cover page took off, and he was able to escape after that. Um, he led a revolution for a brief time, and then Drake beat the shit out of him and dragged him to Udon. But yeah, I, I think they should have been like, yeah, Caribou helped you out with food and everything, but no, he's, he deserves to be in prison, like 100% for the stuff he did, okay? So leave him here, okay? But whatever. They didn't even need to kill him. They could have just left him in Wano, but whatever. Okay. So we're cutting back now to the shores of Egghead. The, the Mark Threes are now back on the side of the good guys because Bonnie now has supreme hierarchy control. And so they're just bombarding marine ships. Even the bigger marine battleships are getting destroyed. And they can't really destroy the Mark Threes that well because they have the bubble shields that can completely repel cannon fire, okay? So they're even more efficient than a battleship, really. So they're like, all right, pull, pull all the ships back from the shore. We, we need to reassess some shit. We need to... This battle has flip-flopped like three different times. We need to we need to assess our battle plan here. We're Marines, damn it! So um, we get the names of all of the Vice Admirals that arrived uh, for this battle. We already knew a few. We knew Doll because she was introduced earlier. We know about Bluegrass. She has the power of the Ride Ride Fruit, which I still got to make a video about because it's a very interesting power. Uh, Doberman we already knew about. He was one of the Vice Admirals that showed up way back during Eni's Lobby, and he was at Marine Ford. Um, but and we had our Red King. That was the, the Jowls, the Chin guy that we saw last time. So uh, we have Bluegrass. Here, and then we also have Vice Admiral Hound. Hound was the Vice Admiral I initially mistook for Kadar. Kadar was the Vice Admiral, or he was the Rear Admiral back in the day, and uh, he fought against the Sun Pirates, and he had a pair of glasses, and uh, Vice Admiral Hound also has a pair of glasses, so I was assuming they're kind of similar looking, like, oh, maybe it was Kadar that was promoted, uh, but no, I'm pretty sure Kadar's dead. I think Arlong or, uh, you know, the Sun Pirates might have killed him there, but it was kind of left ambiguous. But anyway, Hound brings up a very interesting thing. Um, they say, it'd be unprecedented, but is there any chance of calling off the Buster Call for now? I'm also not sure of Hound's gender. Um, I'm not really sure about that, so I'm just going to use, like, they. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, they bring up 
ending the buster call. And this is something to address because they say unprecedented, like it's never happened before. And the idea is that way back in Eddie's lobby, it was talked about like once a buster call is summoned, that's it. it. There's no going back from that. That's why I did not like the ending of Stampede. I mean, the One Piece Stampede was not one of the best movies. It was more of just like a big action scene or whatever. Um, but, because uh, Bullet was not, I'm a big tough guy that's going to beat you up and I'm going to turn into a giant kaiju. You know, but whatever. I mean, it was, it was a fun movie to watch in theaters, but like, you know, it wasn't one of the better uh, One Piece movies. But I really hated the end of that movie where there was a buster call summoned on that island and then at the end of the movie, it's almost like a throwaway thing where it's like, Admiral Kizaru, end the buster call, please. And Kizaru's like, yeah, okay, sure. Which, by the way, as we learn now, I don't think Kizaru would have ended that buster call. But, like, the fact that you could just, like, all right, everybody, call it off now. So that was a movie. That was non-canon. In the context of the manga, once a buster call shows up, you're not stopping the buster call, all right? And so Hound is even bringing up, though, like, this is a little bit unusual circumstances, and this has never happened before. But maybe we should call out the buster call. Maybe having a military engagement that cannot be rescinded for any reason is maybe not a good idea, you know? So Hound's probably going to die next. But anyway, next we have Vice Admiral Guillotine. Guillotine, yes. Um, the, uh, he is the Vice Admiral that has the long beard that has, like, the streak of white in the beard. He also has, like, a chakram thing embedded in his head. So he literally takes, like, this chakram and, like, throws it. We saw him, like, that's how he fought earlier. And, like, the chakram, like, comes back and he, like, puts it in his head. So he's Vice Admiral Guillotine. So that's pretty cool. Vega, Vegapunk himself gave that pirate the authority to command the pacifistas. So there's no way we could stop them now, right? And so then we have Doberman coming up, and Doberman's like, all right then, men. Well, we know Jory Bonnie commands all of the pacifistas, so we just got to eliminate her, and then we'll have command again. All right, so now it's another game of playing command hierarchy with the pacifistas. So now they're all targeting Bonnie, which, you know, may be a reason why Vegapunk did not want to tell her, and we later find out in the chapter Vegapunk wanted to tell Bonnie about this when she was much older, because now that the Marines know about this, and she has supreme command over all the pacifistas in their armada, um, she's going to have a way higher bounty, and they're going to be coming at her trying to kill her now, even more so than they were before, okay? So there is a practical reason why Vegapunk did not tell her earlier, all right? Um, although I will say, I mean, like, earlier in the sense of, like, when everything was kind of okay, like, after the Seraphim battle had ended and it looked like everything was going to be all right for a little bit there. Um, but when shit was starting to hit the fan and then the Marines started blockading the island, I think Vegapunk probably should have told her at that point. Um, so anyway, they, they know where Bonnie is heading. They know Bonnie is with Frankie and Atlas and Kuma, and they're all heading to the northeast section of the island. And so we have to eliminate her. And then that's where we get Vice Admiral Beardsley. I love this dude. Big, giant guy, rippling muscles, built like a Sherman tank, and an epic big beard, all right? And his name is Tosa. I like this man. I think he might be one of my favorite Vice Admirals. Like, that's not dull. But yeah, Vice Admiral Tosa. Okay, so he just starts barreling towards Bonnie and just like, don't worry, guys. I have her in my sights. I'll eliminate her. I'm Vice Admiral Tosa. And so he's just like, hut, hawk, hike. And he just starts running and he charges up his hands and he goes hockey and he goes, this is my special 10-barrel finger gun. The 10-barreled Shigon. I can rip apart armor with this. So 
it's actually a really cool scene, and it's a really cool spread where um, Bonnie uh, is on top of Frankie. Frankie is using, like, the Dom shoes to, like, hover, and they're trying to escape. And so Tosa just kind of, like, like, jumps up behind them, and he has his hands like this. And, dude, that's actually kind of terrifying to, like, have armament hockey on these giant, big, meaty fists and then have Shigon all at once. Like, I'm picturing this guy, like, actually going up to, like, a tank or a battleship and just, like, ripping apart the armor, uh, armor plating like it was cray paper, okay? That is actually kind of a devastating move if it was able to, you know, uh, you know, take off. Unfortunately, it doesn't work. Its name is Tosa Crunch! My favorite cereal is Tosa Cinnamon Crunch! <laughs> oh, man. Unfortunately, uh, Tosa gets defeated quite handily, uh, where a giant axe comes out of nowhere and just pfft, pounds him into the ground. Doesn't, you know, not sharp side up, it's more of like the blunt side of the axe comes down and just crushes Tosa into the ground. And then Bonnie and everybody are like, what? Giants? Because they had no idea. They were, they didn't have a high vantage point. They didn't see the giants arriving. So Bonnie and Frankie and Atlas just look up and be like, oh, giants are here. Okay. And so then, boom, we have Dorian Bragi arriving on the scene. Go, ba, 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 ba. All right, well, what do we got here? Well, we checked the bounty posters of the Straw Hat crew to make sure we knew all about the newest members, but I don't recognize anybody here. <laughs> you friends of Luffy, who are you guys? <laughs> so, they wouldn't recognize Atlas, they wouldn't recognize Kuma, they wouldn't recognize Bonnie. Frankie is there, but, um... I don't know if you can see it in the in the screen. Uh, yeah, no, you can. You can. Frankie, uh, yeah, he it didn't work out too well. Even the previous wanted poster was uh, the Frankie Shogun. So Frankie, actually, as he is right now, post time skip, has never actually appeared on a bounty poster before. So the the giants would be like, oh dang, I don't I don't notice. I don't recognize anybody on uh, you know Luffy's crew. Uh, Dory, what what do you think we should do? I think they're enemies! And he's like, no, no, that doesn't happen. They actually managed to convince them pretty easily. Uh, Frankie does tell them, like, oh, yeah, uh, that's my captain, uh, Luffy. Uh, you know him? Because they wouldn't know him. And he's just like, oh, no, we're, we're, not, um, we're not enemies of Luffy or anything. We owe him nothing but gratitude. We're warriors from Albaf. And so... Um, they, they convince the Giants to help them out. Uh, Bonnie talks to them a little bit and mentions Luffy and Sanji and Vegapunk. And Dory's like, oh, those names, short... I mean, Broggy mentions, oh, those names take me back, yes. Because remember, like, way back at Little Garden, when the Straw Hats first met Dory and Broggy, it was only the original five Straw Hats, up to Sanji, plus Vivi as well. Uh, Karu, Karu also met... Uh, the Giants. Let's not forget about Karu here. Um, but yeah, uh, Chopper didn't even join yet. So Chopper, Robin, Frankie, Brooke, Jinbei, they wouldn't know anything about the Giants. Well, they would have heard about them from Usopp. In fact, Frankie even mentions here in the next panel, uh, are these the masters that Usopp's always going on about? So Usopp and Frankie, they definitely work together in the sunny, you know, in, you know, making up new gadgets and fixing things, and Frankie probably teaching Usopp a thing or two about engineering and mechanical work. And uh, you know, they're just hanging out late at night one night, just be like, hey, Frankie, did I ever tell you the time I met these giants on this uh, jungle island filled with dinosaurs? Super Usopp, tell me all about it. You know, it's basically like that kind of, right? So um, they're like, oh yeah, Vegapunk, he's the one that Scholar mentioned. So they're referencing, I guess, Saul here, like Saul living at Elbaf, and he was the scholar with the books and everything. Um, you know, because considering also, Saul wasn't much of a scholar, he was a vice admiral, um, but also he 
was not an Elbaf giant. So from the perspective of, and I'm sure he's done some reading since then, it's been 20 years now, over 20 years, but from the perspective of Dorian Bragi, who are warriors of Elbaf, and they fight in battle, and that's all they've ever known really, Saul, who is a giant that's not from Elbaf, who's living in a library reading books, he would be a very bookwormy scholar giant from the perspective of Dorian Bragi, right? Like anybody that reads a book would probably be a scholar from Dorian Bragi's perspective, because that's just not the kind of lives they live, right? Well, anyway, one of the giant warrior pirates, we don't know the guy's name, but a big dude with a beard, a couple of them actually, are like, all right, Captain, we'll make sure these guys get back to the ship. So they're going to take Atlas, Kuma, Frankie, and Jean, uh, not Jean Bay, uh, Bonnie, uh, back to their uh, the Viking longship. So they're in good hands, I guess. When the giants are helping you out, you're pretty much good to go, all right? So you don't have to worry about anything, right? So now we see uh, the two remaining vice admirals whose names we did not know about. We have Vice Admiral Urban, who is the guy that has the underbite that kind of looks like oars a little bit with the oars ancient giant underbite and the top hat. And uh, his name's Vice Admiral Urban. And he just mentions Tosa's line just went dead. Is he okay? And then you have the last one, the guy that has the big chin and like the crimson chin. And he also has some uh, zone ability to turn into like an otter, turn into like an otter and use like a, like a seashell to like bash people with. Uh, he's Vice Admiral Pomsky. Okay, I'd be Vice Admiral Pomsky, you know, like, there you go. I I'm assuming it's with a Russian accent. It sounds like it should be in a Russian accent. I don't know. But anyway, there's so all the Vice Admirals. So we got, let's see if I can get all of them. We got Dahl, we got Doberman, we got Bluegrass, we got Red King, we got Tosa, we got Urban, we got Pomsky, and we got Guillotine. There's one more. Oh, uh, Hound. So there we go. Nine. A lot, uh, lot of marine vice admirals named after dogs, now that I'm actually thinking about it. We have Dalmatian, who has the power of the Dalmatian zone. We have Doberman, who does not have the power of the Doberman zone. And now we have Hound, it's just it's a general term for dog. Release the hounds, you know, that kind of stuff, right? Well, anyway... Um, Bluegrass is there using the power of the Ride Ride Fruit. She jumps on the back of a sea beast, of a sea giraffe, in fact. And she's like, well, all right, everybody, hop on, doll. We're going for a ride today. Yeehaw! And so, uh, doll uh, hops on the back of this sea giraffe, and Bluegrass and her have a bit of a conversation. Uh, he's just like, wow, this battle keeps flip-flopping one way or another. Wow, look at all these giants over here now. I'm just going to give her a southern accent because that's what I think she has. Bluegrass, okay. And uh, Dahl is like, yeah, I've, I've, uh, I know about giants. My commanding officer a little 20 over, a little over 20 years ago was a giant, in fact. And then Bluegrass is like, 20 years ago? Oh, shucks, you must be talking about Saul. Oh, he was a tough cookie. Too bad he died in that frozen ice pop accident. <laughs> so, um, she doesn't actually mention that he's dead, but, you know, past tense referring to Saul the giant. So, Dahl was there at O'Hara, maybe? Well, maybe not, because, yeah, um, Vice Admiral Saul was... Okay, so it's like a whole thing, but Vice Admiral Saul captured Olvia and then eventually ended up talking to her while she was imprisoned at a marine base, I think, learning about the fact they're not really devils and, you know, like, oh, you shouldn't listen to the world government and everything they tell you. Researching the void century should not be banned. We're not trying to overthrow the government or anything. And then eventually 
Saul defects and allows Olvia to escape from, I don't know if it was Marine Ford or just a base, but somewhere. And then he gets on a raft and goes out to sea and then just coincidentally happens to shipwreck at O'Hara. So it's just this crazy turn of fate where it's like Saul helps Olvia escape and they're both going separate ways, but they both end up at O'Hara eventually, right? And so it's possible that even if Dahl served under um, Saul, that she might not have been there at O'Hara. But then again, Saul's ship was one of the ships that was scheduled to Buster Call the Island. So I'm assuming she was probably there. Um, I mean, Dahl looks like, I mean, maybe in her 40s, like, uh, you know, maybe late 40s, maybe very early 50s. Then again, this is one piece where Shockey is in her mid-60s, late 60s, and she looks like she's in her 20s. So Dahl could be anywhere from 40 to 60. Either way, she looks fantastic. And um, 20 years ago, though, would have probably been when she... Um, uh, wasn't even an officer in the Marines yet, I would assume. Maybe she was like a, like Tashigi's rank at the beginning of the series. She was like a Master Chief Petty Officer or something like that, maybe. Uh, but at any rate, she knows Saul, and so this is going to tie back into stuff. Maybe Dahl's going to go to Elbaf and meet Saul again. Man, I'm okay with more Dahl in this story. I'm just saying that. I'm okay with more Bluegrass. She's actually kind of fun. Yeehaw, everybody! Hop on this giant sea giraffe! We're going on a rodeo! Yeehaw! It's like, yeah, sure, why not? Okay, cool. So uh, the Giants are carrying Frankie and Atlas and uh, Kuma, and they're like, all right, well, where are the other uh, members of your crew there, little fellas? And it's like, well, they're up there in the Labo phase. And it's like, oh, the Lab? Is that a Sky Island? Well, kind of. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, we got to figure out some way up there then. And so the Giants, I guess, are going to try to figure out a way up to the lab phase and then grab everybody else and then get the hell out of there, right? So now we cut back over to the battle. Yeah, that's right. There was a battle going on. Uh, Saturn has returned after being knocked away by Luffy and then meeting the Blackbeard Pirates. He has uh, scuttled his way back over to the battlefield. And now he looks a little bit more uh, monstrous. Um, he just turns into a giant spider. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, most likely now, it's pretty much, he has a mythical zone uh, of some variety. I mean, I'm, most people were probably like, yeah, no duh, he has a mythical zone. Well, I don't know. So, um, that was his hybrid that we saw earlier with the spider body on the lower end and then his human form up there with his, uh, like, horns sticking out. Now he's, like, going full spider. And his beard kind of just turns into the flames um, around him. So now he has, like, flames igniting on his back, very similar to a Lunarian, in fact. He still has the ribbon around him. He has the horns. They're more pronounced, though. His eyes are more insect-like, or I guess arachnid-like, because spiders aren't insects. But, like, big, giant eyes. And he's not, um... He's not even saying anything anymore. He's just like, um, you know, they're like menacingly attacking them, right? He's not even talking anymore. Like, I've had enough of you puny insects. It's just like, you know, you're, you call us puny insects, but you're a giant spider. Spiders aren't insects! <laughs> it's, it's a very touchy subject. Don't bring that up to Saturn, okay? Spiders are not insects! You're worse than a spider! <laughs> just attacks them, I don't know. Um, so, Sanji, they're trying to get Vegapunk out of there, right? Because Vegapunk got stabbed, and he's just like, ah, oh, just leave me be. If you move me, I'll probably, you know, hemorrhage and die. And Sanji's just like, well, we gotta get you off this island. You, you wanted us to get you out of here, right? We promised you. And Vegapunk's like, yeah, that was, that was before I have a very massive, you know, stomach wound. Anyway, it's okay. I've made my bed and now I've left in it or I've slept in it, or whatever the expression is, I don't know, Quasar, I'm dying. Anyway, 
just take care of Bonnie for me. You can change my promise to that because I didn't expect to, to tell her about the whole Pacifista thing until a little later because now everybody's going to be trying to kill her because she's the ultimate commander of an entire Terminator army. But yeah, just just make sure to keep, keep, keep her safe, okay? Sanji, though, is not going to leave Vegapunk behind. I mean, they're not just going to leave him there on the ground to get trampled by Saturn, all right? So Sanji's like, you know, we're going to make we're gonna make sure you get out of here, old man Vegapunk. Don't worry about it. So Sanji's kind of looking over at Saturn. He's like, well... He looks like he's given up on looking even something similar to a human. Um, number one, he has a very strange look in his eye, like Saturn has kind of gone over to like, like if going full mythical yokai is something that maybe warps your mind a bit. Like remember with the carnivorous zones, the carnivorous zones, like with Rob Lucci, when you go into your full like animal form, like leopard form, you get a little bit more bloodthirsty, like meat, you know, that kind of stuff. Blood, viscera, you know, that kind of shit, right? Might be the same deal with mythical zones. Luffy, when he goes into his uh, sun god, Nika form, he's a little bit wacky and he's like, ah, ha, ha, everything is funny now. You know, it's like, okay, changing his personality up a bit. Might be the same thing with Saturn, where Saturn in this form doesn't really talk. He's all business, okay? And Sanji also mentions his entire body is covered with venom and we see that like one of the spider legs touches a tree and the tree just dissolves, just like when Magellan was using his venom demon, okay? Or I guess to a lesser extent, um, remember Talaran, the, the giant spider zombie from Thriller Bark? I miss Talaran. He was he was a he was a cool guy. He was a spider guy. Anyway, so now they're fighting against this guy. They're fighting against Saturn, and Saturn just kind of just ooh, and then just like fires all of the legs at everybody. Sanji picks up Vegapunk. He's like Luffy, dodge it. Luffy's like ha ha. Okay, no problem, Sanji. Woo woo woo, and Luffy's just dodging all of the poison spider legs. No big deal. Unfortunately, as Vegapunk, uh, as Sanji's picking up Vegapunk and trying to get away, Kizaru shows up, kicks him in the jaw. Sanji drops Vegapunk. Kizaru takes his light sword and just stabs him right again, right through the stomach. It actually looks like in the same place that Saturn stabbed him. So, hey, look, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a surgeon. I don't know anything about medical science or whatever. But I'm just saying, if you already got stabbed in a spot, and like his kidney was like completely destroyed. If you had to choose any place to get stabbed again, I, I mean, that, you might as well pick the spot that was already, has a hole in it, you know what I mean? I mean, that has to minimize the damage a little bit, right? Like I'm just saying, if he, if he has no kidney anymore, getting stabbed in the same spot isn't gonna double kill his kidney. He'll be fine. Don't, don't worry about it. The 65-year-old the man is stabbed twice. You're, you're good. But anyway, yeah, it's very brutal. And so Kizaru, yeah, Kizaru's just, he's gone over to the dark side at this point. He's Darth Kizaru. Don, 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 don. He has a lightsaber. That's all I'm saying. Wait, where's my lightsaber at? Do I have my lightsaber? Where did my lightsaber go? Aw, man. Every time you need the lightsaber, you don't have it. Yeah, okay, well, did anybody find my lightsaber? Please let me know. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, um, Kizaru stabs Vegapunk. He goes down again. Luffy is like, no, Apple Grandpa, no, not you. And so, um, Sanji, get going. You got to get back to the entrance. Sanji picks up Vegapunk and he's like, oh, dude, I'm, oh, dude, I'm sorry. You're losing a lot of blood. It's okay. We have a reindeer. He'll help you. And he's dead. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He's not dead. Vegapunk doesn't die, but he's not looking too good, right? So, last scene of the chapter... Luffy gets serious. Double page spread. This is pretty. Sh this is some pretty cool shit. Luffy goes into his giant form, which, honestly, the giant form hasn't had a great track record. The first time he went into his giant form, he got bit in the nuts by Kaido. But anyway, goes into his giant form, grabs Kizaru with his right arm, crushes him, and then he can't really grab all of Saturn because Saturn's this giant spider now. But he kind of like presses his, you know, hand right up against Saturn's face and kind of like holds him down. And just like, you two, there's no way I'm letting you guys escape. <laughs> and Luffy just has this crazy gear fifth look in his eye. And he's crushing Kizaru and Kizaru's coughing up blood. <laughs> God. And Saturn's just like, mm! you know. And then so, last scene of the chapter though, dude. I want you to understand, this is only one, two, three, four, five panels. And there are five panels off the side. Like, it's a double page spread, and Luffy going into his giant form takes up, like, 75% of it. But way in the corner of this page, just this one little area of a bunch of little panels, nothing really that crazy, is one of the most significant things in all of One Piece right here that is being set up, okay? So... You know, Sanji's having, like, a war moment where he's like, Vegapunk, don't you die on me, you son of a bitch! You know, and he's running with him. And so, Vegapunk's like, hey, uh, uh, and then he's smiling. So, first of all, I mean, you immediately think of when somebody with the Will of D dies, they have a smile on their face. Uh, maybe Vegapunk did have the Will of D and we just didn't know about it. We didn't know his full name. His full name was Albert D. Vegapunk. Alright, there it is. But anyway, he's smiling and, and Sanji's just like, Why are you smiling about? Well, what's going on here? And then, we cut to the Labo phase. In a secret lab, some computers begin to turn on. Like, beep boop, beep beep boop, beep boop, beep boop. Like, certain protocols have been reached. And then you have a recording of Vegapunk appearing on the screen. Aha, uh -huh. mm, yes, Quasar, mic check, mic check, test one, two, three, okay. Attention world, hello there. My name is Dr. Vegapunk, the world's greatest and most humble scientific genius, Quasar. I'm sure this message will come as a shock to most of you out there, but please bear with me. I'm about to tell you the truth of the entire world. Quasar! <laughs> no break next week. End of the chapter. Oh my god, right? <laughs> oh, oh boy! Oh, Vegapunk! Alright. Okay, anybody that says any shit about Vegapunk, like, oh man, Vegapunk, you know, he should have seen this coming, or Vegapunk could have prepared better for this. Oh no! No, he prepared for this. He prepared for this, okay? And it's a, something I just realized. Wait a minute. There's telecommunications equipment in the One Piece world. They have Den Den Mushi. In fact, they actually have radios, because the Germa, maybe it's something just for the Germa, but the Germa just use regular radios and stuff. Um, but, like, Vegapunk was in his lab one night, and he's working away, 
And there was even a moment way back at the beginning of Egghead. Remember this when Shaka was having a conversation with Dragon and he was like, I'm going to die soon. Part of being a scientist knows that yeah, I can kind of see when I'm going to die. So you know Vegapunk recorded this maybe only a couple of days before the Straw Hat showed up. He recorded this message of like, if I ever die, like if, if, my, if, if Punk Records ever detects my heart dying or my heart failing, this is going out to the whole world. Because Vegapunk is like, you know what? I don't want to die, but if I am dying and I'm gone, the whole world is knowing about this. The whole world is learning about... Now, I don't know exactly what all he's going to tell because... Ah, dude. Vegapunk... Vegapunk went to O'Hara, not O'Hara, but went to what he was at O'Hara, but he also went to Elbaf and got all those books from Saul. I don't think the scholars at O'Hara knew every single detail about the Void Century. That's going to be left until Robin finds the Rioponiglyph. But they knew a lot. And Vegapunk knew a lot. He knew that the Ancient Kingdom was very advanced. He knows the name of the Ancient Kingdom because Clover knew about it. So you know Clover wrote that down at some point. So they're probably going to reveal the name of the Ancient Kingdom. The Ancient Kingdom was technologically advanced. The government were the bad guys that ruined this Ancient Kingdom and brought us back to the Middle Ages and now have ruled over the world with an iron fist um, for the last 800-something years. He's not going to be able to know everything about it, but everything he does know is about to be broadcast without restraint all over the world. And there's nothing the government can do about this. They don't have enough cypher pole agents for this. They might try to pull as many plugs as possible, like, like go into the town and destroy all the Dendin Mushies, kill all the snails! You know, maybe they could try, but they're not stopping this. It's not happening. They have a whole telecommunications psychic snail network. I don't think there's any way that you could just flip a switch and turn all the snails off. All right? There are certain Denden -den Mushies that are the horned Denden -den Mushies that jam other ones, that jam communications. But, uh, yeah, I don't think they have enough of those, right? So the entire world's going to learn about this. And all four blues, the Grand Line, everybody's going to learn about it. Um, the government might be able to shut down certain areas, but mm, you're not stopping it. It's just not happening, okay? The whole world, it, like, this is Vegapunk. Punk's last broadcast to the entire world. He's going out like a freaking goat. Okay, it's happening. So, a lot of stuff in this chapter that's insane. This is the most insane, bar none. Like, it was cool to see Tosa's crunch ability, but this, this is what takes that cake. Holy shit, Vegapunk. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not going out. You know, it's like, you know, I was thinking too small, like I said, with like the Isaac Netero, like Kuma has a nuke in his chest kind of thing. No. Vegapunk doesn't have a nuke in his chest. He has an international broadcast in his chest. That's what he has, I guess. He has like, oh no, no. My final attack is when my heart stops, the ham radio transmission happens. Information is the most deadly weapon. Remember that, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my god. Now, how is the world going to respond to this? Think about this, right? You're in the South Blue. You're running a humble bakery. And you're like, oh, hello there, Mrs. Schmidt. How are you doing today? Oh, well, I'm doing okay. And, and on the counter at the bakery, there's a Den Den Mushy, I don't know, playing, you know, uh, easygoing tunes. You know, there's radio, I guess. You know, they're playing the tunes or whatever. And like, well, can I have my croissants today? Oh, absolutely, Mrs. Schmidt. Just baked them fresh for you. And then the Den Den Mushy is like, hello, everybody. I'm Vegapunk, the greatest scientist in the world. Like, oh, that's Vegapunk. He's such a good man. What's he have? 
have to say about this. <gasps> the world that you live in is an entire lie. Everything that you knew about the world government is a lie. They're all those horrible people. They've been trying to take over the entire world a long time ago. There was this ancient kingdom. We don't know its name, but here is its name. Anyway, this thing happened, and then it was a technologically advanced civilization, and there was this guy named Joy Boy, and he was the will of deity attacked, and then the government was a blah, 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 ancient weapons, and then everything going on, and the people live on the moon, and there's aliens, and there's this where devil fruits come from, and blah, 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 Okay, anyway, there's the, um, my broadcast. Have a great day, everybody. I'm Vegapunk, signing out. And then... And then just static, and then a voice comes on at the end. It's like, this, this is the world government. Please disregard that last broadcast. Um, it was an error? We now return you to South Blue Easy Listening. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, all right then. Well, anyway, um, hey, the world had to find out at some point, right? Okay, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's like, that was Vegapunk's ultimate idea was to create the internet. And then, like, uh, with the internet, maybe then he thought he was going to reveal everything, but, like, that didn't really pan out. So it's like the next best thing is just radio broadcast, right? Uh, that's the review. A lot of stuff to go on off of this chapter. I got to get working on that. Um, but, yeah, I really just want to get this out as quickly as possible to everybody. So thanks for watching, and um, see you back here next week, because there's no break. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man. Who's going to be, dude? I want Oda to show all over the world everybody's reactions. You know how like when the Straw Hats got their bounties at Eni's Lobby and we cut to all the hometowns? I want to see that, but I also want to see like everybody. I want to see Gaimon and Garfunkel, his wife, hanging out on the island of rare animals and Adenden Mushi just broadcasting this to them. I want I want to see Gaimon's reaction to this. I want to see Foxy's reaction to this. I want to see the reaction from the revolutionaries. I want to see the reactions from the marines back at Shellstown. I want to see the reaction of Kuro. I want to see the reaction of of um, you know the prisoners. I want to see oh do oh what's Doflamingo going to do when he hears about this? Doflamingo is going to be immediately full-mast erection and just like, <laughs> just like, oh my god. Doflamingo might just, from sheer excitement from hearing this news, might just be like, alright, it's time for me to break out of this joint. And he just, like, breaks the sea prism just from sheer adrenaline. And then like, alright, I need to get out there in the world now. This is getting good. I'm not missing this shit. Alright. Oh, man. Alright, alright, but I want to see that. I want to see every- next chapter, I don't even need to see Egghead, I don't need to see Luffy continue the fight with Kizaru and Saturn. Next chapter, I just want to see, you know, 18 pages, small panels in every one, just everybody in this story, just from start to finish, and their reactions to hearing this. That's all I want, Oda, that's all I want. I want to see Cricket and uh, the, um, the, the Sariyama Alliance uh, at Jaya, or actually, no, they're out at sea right now. They're actually looking for the land of dreams. That's actually happening with them. But I want to see them hear this message. I want to see the South Bird hear the message. I want to see Eyelashes the Camel hear this message. I want to see Scissors the Crab hear the message. Like, what? What? I want to see Geratsu at the Hot Spring Resort hearing the message. Like, mm -hmm. that's what I want to see in my One Piece, damn it. Anyway, thanks for watching, everybody. Techig signing out. Damn.